I'm going to read you a verse in Genesis chapter 8 and verse number 4. And the ark rested in the seventh month, on the 17th day of the month, on the Mount of Ararat. So, I'm going to teach you something. We're going to call it the mystery of the 17th. The mystery of the 17th. If you have a good attitude, you can sit down. In, in, in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 26, God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. There's a theory in Christianity called the theory of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's accepted in a lot of places, but it won't hold scrutiny when you really look at the word. Nowhere in the Bible does it ever talk about God the Son or God the Holy Spirit. It does use the phrase God the Father, but it refers to the Son of God, but it never refers to God the Son because the Son isn't God. And because of this, you have to understand Everything, everything that, that, that God made, he, he didn't speak to what he made. He spoke to where it came from. God, God never said, let there be fish. He said, let the water bring forth abundantly. When you deal with vegetation and green trees and grass, he said, let the earth bring forth abundantly. So when God gets ready to make man, he doesn't break his pattern. He spoke to where man came from. He spoke to himself. The Bible said when he couldn't swear by any greater, he swore by himself. So whenever you take what God makes out of where it came from, it always dies. When you take fish out of water where they came from, they always die. When you take trees and grasses and bushes out of dirt where they came from, they always die. And when you take men and women out of God, they always die. Because the Bible said, in him we live and in him we move and in him we have our being. And so... You know, you've got this let us. So a lot of people say, see, there, there's the Trinity. But any serious student of the Bible won't ever use that verse. They'll use others, but they won't use that one. Because this is Hebrew. Old Testament is Hebrew. And when it says us, it's, it's a grammatical complement. It's called the plurality of majesty. When you're dealing with royalty, kings and queens, one of the greatest things you can do is give them a grammatical compliment. You don't refer to them with single words. You refer to them with plural words. For instance, when the Queen of England ever goes anywhere, they don't say the Queen's coming. They said, we will be there. And she shows up by herself. It's, it's complementing royalty with language. And you've got, you got to prove that us is three. 
You're going to have a hard time proving us is three. Let us, plural, make man in our, our is plural, image. Here's my question. How many men did he make? And so it, it brings us to this amazing understanding in the Bible. Man was made in God's image. So the question is, what's God's image? So you, the greatest commentary on the Bible is the Bible. Use scripture to explain scripture. Don't tell me, well, this pastor said that, or I read this in a book. Now, let's use Bible to explain Bible, okay? 2 Corinthians 4 and 4 says this, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them believe, which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, comma, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Colossians chapter 1 says that we have been translated into the kingdom of the Son. And in 1 and 15 of Colossians, it said, He is the image of the invisible God. Hebrews 1 and 3 said He's the express image of His person. The word express means one of a kind. A soul, S-O-L-E, unique. Can't be reproduced. One of a kind. So if you put 2 Corinthians 4 and 4, Colossians 1 and 15, Hebrews 1 and 3 together, you can say this. Jesus Christ is the express image of the invisible God. Which is really cool because there's a scripture in Romans, Romans chapter 5. And uh, it's verse 14. It says that Adam was the figure of him that was to come. In other words... God made man in his image before he even had an image. Because he doesn't have an image or a body until Bethlehem. So the first man, Adam, was made in the similitude. In other words, God knew what he was going to look like when he came to earth. And he used the blueprint for the body of Jesus Christ to build Adam in the garden. That's why in Corinthians 15, there's the first Adam and the last Adam. First Adam is of the earth earthly. The last Adam is the Lord from heaven. So it's obvious who we're talking about here. Now, I can't prove this, but I believe that if Adam walked in that door and Jesus walked in that door, they would be identical twins. I think they were, they, 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 they were interfaced with one another. I think the, the, the plan for the, the, the incarnation, the plan for God in flesh is how Adam was built. And, and so it gets really interesting, see, because God is spirit. John 4, 24 says that, okay? Ephesians chapter 4 said there's one spirit. Now, I know you and I have a spirit. Angels are spirits. Devils are spirits. But they don't get a capital S. In, in Ephesians 4 and 4, it says there's one spirit, capital S. John 4, 24, God is spirit, capital S. There's just one, there's just one spirit, I don't care what you call that spirit. You can call that spirit Father. You can call that spirit God. When you get into 2 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, Now the Lord is that same spirit. So there's not a spirit of the Father separate from the spirit of the Son, separate from the Holy Spirit. There's just one spirit. That spirit is holy. Okay? But there's only one legal liquid that can deal with sin, and that's blood. If God remains spirit, he can't help any of us. So God takes on flesh. 
and comes to this earth. That's why in the book of Timothy it said there's one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Okay? So look, at, look with Revelation at the phrase, the Son of God. God is spirit, right? Son is flesh. So when you see if the Son is God, then God died on a cross. And God can't die. But if God is spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, or what the Bible said, he gave up the ghost on the cross. What are you talking about? I'm talking about the Father who is spirit dwelled in the Son who is flesh. That's why the phrase, the Son of God, what is God? Spirit, what Son? Flesh. So when you say the Son of God, you're saying the flesh of the Spirit. You understand that? This is very important. Isaiah 9 and 6, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. It's obviously a prophecy 800 years before Bethlehem. And thou shalt call his name. Whose name? Son's name. You're going to call him Wonderful. I have no problem calling Jesus Wonderful. Counselor. I've got no problem calling him Counselor. Call him the Mighty God. I've got no problem calling him that. The Everlasting Father. Now we got a problem. How can you call the Son the Father if they're two separate persons? You can't. But if you understand Father is Spirit, Son is Flesh... And the Father dwelt in the Son. I'll tell you why I believe that. Because the Son said that. He said, I can't do anything by myself. It's the Father that dwelleth in me that does the works. Have I been so long time with you? And you don't know who I am, Philip. When he said, show us the Father. Here I am, right in front of you in flesh. And when you get that revelation of the mighty God in Christ... That God's spirit wrapped in flesh to come to redeem you and I to shed what Peter calls precious blood. He, original word, very, very rare. You know, because he doesn't have an earthly, he doesn't have an earthly father. And so we've got something amazing going on here. His blood is special. It's sinless. It can redeem, which means to buy. That's why the Bible said we were purchased. We were bought. We were redeemed, not with silver and gold, but with the precious blood of Jesus. And it's very important because man was made in God's image before God even had an image. And there's all this typology. There's all these pictures. There's all these things that, 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 that are so important. Four different times in the book of Revelation, God told John, I'm Alpha and Omega. I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. Remember, remember here's Matthew 28 and 20. Uh, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. It's very possible. I'm speaking to somebody today. You, you may think you're at the end of the world. You, 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 but, but, but listen, we don't just serve the end. He's also the beginning. The enemy will tell you, you're down to your last chance, your last option, your last whatever. But we don't just serve the last, we also serve the first. I, I don't care what language you want to do it in. It may appear, you know, it's Alpha and Omega, that's Greek. That's A to Z in Greek. But, but it doesn't matter what language or culture, if it's Omega, he's also Alpha. And, 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 and this is what it says in Revelation 3 and verse 7. He said, he said, I can shut things and nobody can open them. I can open things and nobody can shut them. I, I've got Bible for that. When Noah and his family went in the ark, the Bible said God shut the door. 
Don't tell me them people didn't try to get that door open. But it said, God shut the door. And when God shuts something down, you're not going to live long enough to get it back open. Daniel, Daniel's in the lion's den. The king felt so bad, but he was politically stuck. So he has to throw Daniel in the lion's den. Next morning, king doesn't sleep all night, opens up the den, and he said, oh, Daniel, are you alive? And he said, king, you're going to live forever. He said, the Lord has sent an angel and shut the lion's mouth. Gave him tetanus, gave him lockjaw. Went up there and went, mm, mm, mm. I'd really, you know, it looks like a nice little cupcake right there. But he can't eat them. Why? His mouth is shut. Don't tell me them, you're talking animals here, man. Don't tell me they didn't want to open up and turn that dude into a, you know, Scooby Snacks. Damn, God shut the door. Look, 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 look. Remember Noah? said, God opened the windows of heaven. How many prominent women in the Bible can't have children? It said, and God opened the womb of Rachel. How about that scripture? Knock and it shall be opened, which means it was shut. Okay? I don't know what you need. I may be talking to somebody, something's open in your life, and you need it shut. There's other people that there are things that are shut, and you need them open. Even if I didn't know what you need, I couldn't help you. I might be able to diagnose the problem, but I can't fix the problem. You've got a God here that it can shut something. Do you have toxic relationships in your life? There are some people that need to get out of your life. They're stealing your joy. Sticking a stainless steel pipe down into into your spirit and just sucking every Monday all the week's joy out of you. You you gotta get that door shut. And while that's being shut, other things need to be open. You need some new friends. Thanks for coming to church. All right? I know I shouldn't have to thank you, but you're grateful. But it's just listen, you need some new friends. You need some new relationships. Some of that stuff, you gotta kick them bums to the curb. God can shut things and open things. That's the God that we, it just depends on what, what, what do you need? Do you need a lock or do you need a key? You know, do you, do you need a door through the wall or do you need a wall where there used to be a door? He told Moses, I am. I am what? What do you need? Well, I need to get through the Red Sea. Okay, I can do that. All right. I, 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 I can do, you, you, you come to Mara, water's bitter. What do you need? I need a tree we can cut out and throw and turn, turn sweet, where bitter water is sweet. Yeah, I can do that. I, I give you, you need something to eat? I can do that. The Bible's, my wife wouldn't like this, but it said their shoes never wore out. There wasn't a feeble one among them. Why? You've got to, I am here. You know? Now he said, I'm the God that was and is and is to come. So that means he's presently in the present, presently in the, in the past, presently in the future. You, you, I mean, I mean I, we got a lot of law officers in this, in this church, but uh, if Jesus was driving, he could look at the dashboard through the windshield and in the rearview mirror all at the same time. He couldn't just see there. He is there. So what's your past? You got a bad past? Don't worry. He's already he's there. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. Are you worried about tomorrow? He's already there. That's why I said, don't borrow from tomorrow. Borrow and take care of itself. 
And we're so worried about tomorrow. The Lord's already, it, it's, it stuns me. I see people come around an altar and they really don't want to repent because if I tell Jesus how bad I am, I, he won't like me anymore. Let me explain something to you. Let me tell you something I know for sure about God. You're never going to surprise him. He's never going to say, whoa, I didn't know that. It's not going to, that's why repentance is so powerful because it's the truth. Now there's good truth and bad truth. There's pretty truth, ugly truth. But when you repent, it doesn't matter. See, he's the truth. And nothing is more appealing to the truth than the truth. If you try and deceive him, he, he, he resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. Look at Jacob. The word Jacob means liar, deceiver. And, and, and an angel said, uh, you know what? I forgot to check. Who am I wrestling with anyway? Do you think an angel's so stupid? He doesn't know who he's wrestling with when he said, what's your name? That, that name and that admission or that confession wasn't for the angel's information. It, Jacob is literally admitting, I'm a liar. I'm a deceiver. And the angel goes, now we can do something with you. Because you're willing to admit who you are. Now I'm going to turn you into Israel. And you're going to have power with men and influence with God. Why? Because you're honest. Nothing means more to God than when you're honest. He just am. He's in an eternally present condition. And, and, and that gets really, really powerful, folks. Because, watch, here, here's Noah's ark. Listen to this verse. The ark rested in the seventh month on the 17th day of the month. Now, if you've been in this church for any length of time, you know a verse like that's going to drive me crazy until I figure that thing out. Because I believe everything in here is supernaturally engineered. I believe every name, every location, every date, punctuation. I think it's all ordained and orchestrated by the Holy Ghost. I believe that so very strong. And here's this, the ark rests on the 17th day of the seventh month. This is a story of Noah. Does anybody remember how many people are on the ark? Eight. Eight souls. I gave you a word a couple weeks ago, heptatic. Heptatic means things that are based on seven. Uh, the Bible is a heptatic book. The, the, the number seven is so huge in the Bible. And, and they're, 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 there's, there's not eight days in a week. There's seven days in a week. We all know that. And the eighth day is just nothing more than the beginning of the next cycle of seven. So when you deal with seven and eight, seven, even in Hebrew, is the perfect number. Eight is the day of new beginnings. Look, 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 look at Genesis. The evening and morning were the first day. Evening and morning were the second day. Evening and morning the third day. Evening and morning fourth day, fifth day, sixth day. But when it comes to the seventh day, it doesn't say that. It said God rested from everything he created to make. This is so powerful because what you have to understand, the word, the word create means to plan. It's a Hebrew word, bara, means to plan. But the word make means to bring to the point of accomplishment. In other words, God's creation is over, but his work isn't done. He's planned it all from the beginning. And now he's putting into motion the things that he's planned from the beginning. He declared the end from the beginning. And the only way you can do that is if you made a plan all the way back in the beginning of how the whole thing's going to play out. I, my wife, when I first married her, she, she drove me crazy. I, I'd buy her books and, and, and she, she'd always read the last chapter. 
And I'm going, what, what are you doing reading the last chapter? She said, I'm not wasting my time reading the book if I don't like the way it ends. I want to know how this thing ends. And then I'll go back and read it. And I'll go, okay, I guess that makes sense to me. Well, you, want, you can apply that to the Bible. Just go to the back of the book. Go to the end. We win. Okay? Is that, is, that, is that enough inspiration for you to go back in Genesis and start studying that thing? He declared the end from the beginning. And, and, and so I, I kept thinking, okay, there's got to be symbology here. So eight souls, beautiful, because eight is new beginnings. This is the ark rests on the 17th day with these eight people. It, it, it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating picture I didn't finish my thing about Genesis. The first six days, he confronts chaos. The earth was without form and void. It's chaos. So what's day number one? Boom, let's put some light in this darkness. It's better, okay? Day number two, let's divide the water from the land. It's better. Day number three, now we got dirt. Something starts growing out of that dirt. It's better. Day number four, you got fish and you got stars and sun. Then you got the animals. And day number six, you know, man shows up. Wouldn't it have been horrible if animals were created and there's, 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 no, there's nothing to eat? There's no grass. It, it, wouldn't it be horrible if there's grass, but there's no sun to have photosynthesis? Notice how it's all sequential. It just keeps getting better and better and better. So by the sixth day, we got it, man. We got the light. We got it divided. We got the animals. We got the fish. We got man, woman. We got it's, it's all. So on the seventh day, he rested. Why? Because seventh is a day of perfection. You don't work on the seventh day. It's over. And it just keeps happening again and again and again in the Bible. What? The Bible said holy men of old spoke as they were moved on by the Holy Ghost. So what is such a big deal about the 17th day? I'm going to compare two chapters in the Bible. One is Genesis chapter 8, which is Noah. And the next one is Exodus chapter 12, which is the first Passover they were in Egypt, blood's put on the house, all that. You remember that? Okay. So look what it says in, in, in Genesis chapter 8, that this ark rests seventh month, 17th day of the seventh month. It's very, very specific. But when you get to Exodus chapter 12, this is Passover. And this is what it says in Exodus 12 and verse 2. This month shall be the beginning of months. I'm, I'm, you know how you have a, a calendar year and a fiscal year? God's resetting the clock. Because this is actually the fourth month. He, it's, it's April, Abib or Nisan, how, depending on how the year goes. And so he's saying, this is not going not to be April anymore. This is going to be January. The year is going to begin right here. I wish I had time to go into all the complexities, but I don't bore you. I tried to do it in the first service and I made a mess. So I'll try and be a little bit more clear on this one. L listen to me. I can prove to you biblically that the seventh month becomes the first month when God resets the calendar and resets the clock. So they're on, the, on this mountain on the seventh month. But later on, that becomes the first month. So it's, it's, it's really the first month and the 17th day of the month. You with me so far? So I can prove to you, Exodus chapter 12, Leviticus chapter 23. 
that there, there are seven feasts in Israel. If you remember the menorah, how there's three, then a center, and then three. That, that's the way the feasts are. There are three spring feasts. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits. And then there's one feast in the middle called Shabbat, or what we call Passover. And then there's the three fall feasts, trumpets, atonement, tabernacles. It's, it's, it's in Leviticus 23. It's magnificent typology. There's great symbolism that's here. And, and if you study Leviticus chapter 23 and you study Exodus 12, Passover begins on the 14th day of the first month. Okay, so... I'm going to ask you a question, which I've asked thousands of people all over the years. If I ask you this question, what is the gospel? What do you think it is? Because most people say, oh, it's good news. Mm -mm, no. Again, I want you scripture to explain scripture. Is there a place in the Bible that very specifically tells us what the gospel is? Yes. 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4. Paul said, I declare unto you the gospel, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day. That's the gospel. Death, burial, resurrection. Now, if you go to Romans 1 and 16, it says this, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. So the gospel is a big deal, because it'll save you. But not just simply you agreeing, yeah, I believe there was a guy named Jesus. Yeah, I believe that he died on a cross. Good, you're saved. No, 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 it doesn't work like that. In the Bible, you can't just mentally agree with a historical event and be saved. You have to identify with that event. Jesus died, we have to die. We die by repentance. Jesus was buried, we need to get buried. Romans 6 and 4, Colossians 2 and 12 said we're buried with Christ by water baptism. All right? Jesus resurrected from the grave. We need to resurrect from our burial. That's what, in Romans chapter 8, it says, if the spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead dwells in you, it'll do the same thing to you that it did to him. So if the gospel is death, burial, and resurrection, no wonder Peter said, repent or die and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? That's burial. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's resurrection. The gospel message is not just death, burial, and resurrection, but that we identify with that by repenting and being baptized in water in his name and being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the gospel message. And this is all typology in the Old Testament. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, it calls Jesus our Passover. Our Passover. So while the Jews are celebrating Passover, Passover is hanging on a tree. He is the lamb that taketh away the sin of the whole world. It's his blood now splashed on our house that will protect us from death. You got that? So what happens on the day after Passover? Unleavened bread. What's leaven? Yeast. If there's no yeast in the dough, nothing rises. Nothing is lifted up. That's why Jesus couldn't resurrect on the day after he was crucified. Because he said, as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the whale, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Another place he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will resurrect it. So he can't resurrect on the day after Passover because nothing is lifted. Nothing rises when there's no leaven in the dough. But the third day is first fruits. And that's when 1 Corinthians 
Corinthians 15, verse 20, it says, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits of them that slept, and afterward those that are his at his appearing. Do you get what I'm saying? The Old Testament feast of Passover, followed the next day by unleavened bread, followed by the next day by first fruits, are fulfilled on the cross, Passover, the grave, unleavened bread. Resurrection is the first fruits. You got that? All right, so now it gets real simple. I can prove to you in Leviticus 23 and all through the Bible, they celebrate Passover on the 14th. But I've taught you again and again, you've got to have three days and three nights. So this dispels the myth of Palm Sunday and Good Friday. It's not Bible. There's much more going on here. You've got to have three full days and three full nights. So if he is crucified on the 14th, 14 to 15 is one day. 15 to 16 is two days. 16 to 17 is three days. You with me? He resurrected on the 17th. That's the mystery. Of the 17th. I, I, I can just keep going on and on and on and on. I find it again and again in the Bible. Here, here's, here's, here's Joshua chapter 5. Okay. And the children of Israel camped in Gilgal. This, they're getting ready to go into promised land. Okay. They're right on the edge of Jordan. They camped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month. Here's the next day, verse 11. They did eat the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover. So that's the 15th. And then the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten old, old corn of the land. So they keep the Passover on the 14th. They eat the old corn from the, on the 15th. The manna stops on the 16th. And on the 17th, they start eating brand new groceries from the new gardens in the promised land. All right? I can prove to you when they went across Jordan or when they went across the Red Sea. It gets really amazing. They went, they celebrate Passover on the 14th in Egypt. They crossed the Red Sea on the 17th day. The death of the Egyptians in that water is a type of their death to the old life. Here's, here's the story of Esther. Remember Esther, this Jewish girl that ends up on the throne? She, she's, she's on, on the throne and, 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 and she's trying to hide her culture, hide her nationality. And, and she's got an uncle by the name of Mordecai. And, and there's, a real, there's a bad guy, there's a villain here by the name of Haman. And Haman sides up and, and boxes the king into a political corner and said, you need to put a decree out that all the Jews will die. So, it, 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 it's Bible. Watch, here's Esther 3 and verse 12. Then were the king's scribes called on the 13th day of the first month, and there was written according to all that Haman had commanded the king's lieutenants. So it's there. So I, the, the decree to kill the Jews goes out on the 13th. You'll like this with what we're doing right now in the church. Here's Esther chapter number 4. Go gather together all the Jews that are present in Shushan, and fast ye for me, and eat nor drink, Three days, night and day. Okay? So the decree to kill all the Jews is issued on the 13th. Esther's uncle, Mordecai, comes up to her and says, Listen, you can't hide who you are anymore. you got to understand, you are on the throne for such a time as this. 
You read the scripture. Esther put on Chanel 5, 6, 7, and 8. Got the fan behind her. And it's just, you, you, you don't go see the king if he doesn't invite you. But the Bible said she put on a royal apparel. Read about, read about Mordecai. Mordecai put on sackcloth. But he couldn't get into the outer court of the king's house because it said there was a law written that nobody can see the king with sackcloth on. Esther puts on her royal apparel and she gets up into the king and he smells something really good and he looks up and there's this drop dead gorgeous woman in these beautiful beautiful clothes. The Bible said he holds out his scepter and welcomes her into his court and says, what can I do for you? And she said, there's a decree written to kill all of my people. And I am here to plead the cause of my people. And so you get what I'm saying? The 13th, the decree went out. They're fasting for three days. So that's 14, 15, and 16. It says on the third day of the fast, Esther went before the king and pled for his people. He gives a decree, shuts it all down, which on the very next day, which is the 17th, all of a sudden Haman is slain and hung on the very gallows that he died to kill Mordecai on. And Mordecai is, is, is exalted. It's there. It keeps going again and again and again and again. What are you saying, Pastor? Why did the ark rest on the 17th day? Because the new beginning of the earth occurred on the anniversary in advance of our new beginning in Christ. Because our beginning in Christ starts with Passover, repentance. When you repent, something amazing starts happening in your life. I'm telling you, the ark rested on Ararat on the very day Jesus hung on a cross, resurrected from the grave. You understand that? It's all there again and again and again. So it's a new beginning. Do you need a sea to be open? Well, that's what happened on the 17th with Israel. Do you need an enemy overcome? That's what happened to the 17th with Esther. Do you need a new menu? That's what happened when Joshua took the people into the land of Canaan. Or how about a savior? How about resurrection power in your life? Let me tell you what the Bible says. There's neither day, no days in him. There's male nor female. There's not bond nor free but we're all one in Jesus Christ. you got to understand something. This is an amazing day today. This doesn't have to be the 17th of April because for years there was something called Jubilee. Every 50 years, it happened every 50 years when Jesus began his ministry, he reads Isaiah 61 and it says, the acceptable year of the Lord, which means the first year of the ministry of Jesus was a Jubilee year in Israel. He rolls up Isaiah's scroll, gives it to the senior pastor and he said this day this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears wouldn't it be horrible if someone came here today and said i need my sins washed away by the blood and we say you're really in trouble man because we're into may now that doesn't that that, that that's the 14th day of april you gotta you gotta wait you gotta wait 11 more months to come back here and it but no passover has been fulfilled on the cross wouldn't it be horrible if somebody won the baptism of the Holy Spirit today. And we say, oh, you're going to come back in June because that's when we celebrate.
celebrate Pentecost Sunday. No, 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 no. Wouldn't it be if somebody wanted resurrection power? Wouldn't it, wouldn't it, wouldn't it be horrible if we said, you missed that. That, 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 was, that was two weeks ago. No. Passover has been fulfilled on the cross. First fruits has been fulfilled by the resurrection. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. You understand what I'm saying? Once that thing's been fulfilled, you never have to honor that day again. So I don't care what the day is. May 1st, May 2nd, May April 31st. I don't even know. I just know this. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. And the mystery of the 17th tells me today, today is the day of salvation. Today's the day when the Lord can do something in your life that nobody else can do. Why are you here? You didn't come here to hear me preach. You didn't come to hear these people sing. You are expecting an encounter with the Lord. Stand. Jesus, Jesus goes to a place one time and he tells his disciples, hey, dock the boat right here. And these guys have been on the Sea of Galilee all their lives. No, Jesus will go around the turn. There's a really, there's a great wharf, great dock over here. Guy, guy's got great fish sandwiches. Let, let's, let's just go. No, no, we're up. That's a, that's a graveyard. Yeah, dock the boat. When Jesus gets out of the grave, Matthew 8 said two men ran, met him out of the tombs. And he looks at him and he said, what's your name? And before the man can respond, those devils inside him said, our name is Legion. I, 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 I've been in Pentecost for a lot of my life. I've been around preachers all my life. And they say, well, in Canada, they call it a demon. He's got a demon in him, which is demon in English, okay? And so, and, and, and we got we to gotta get the devil to identify himself. What is your name, devil? Because that's in the Bible. I never did believe that Jesus was going to waste time talking to devils. I think he was talking to the man. What's your name? But before the man could say, my name's, my name's Harold. My name's Jeanette. My name's Jeremiah. Before the devil, before the man, the, the, the demons hijacked the conversation and say, the name is Legion. I've met people for years. What's your name? You don't understand, Pastor. I've been divorced. That's not your name. I, I had to declare bankruptcy. That's not your name. I had a child out of wedlock. That is not your name. Okay? You've got to understand. Do not let your past problems become your present and your future identity. Jesus is here today, today, on the very specific day to give you deliverance, to give you power. To get, I'm, I'm not promising you money. All them lying bums on TV, the obvious sign of the blessing of God is money. Oh, really? Jesus said if you get too much of it, it's going to be really hard for you getting the kingdom. So I wonder who's telling the truth. These mercenary prophets on TV or Jesus? I'll take my choices with Jesus. I'm not promising you money. I'm not promising. I preached all over the world. You can't preach in Bangladesh that everybody gets a Mercedes Benz and a Rolex and shops at Somerset. The gospel of Jesus ought to be worldwide. You ought to be able to preach it all over the world. I'm not a money preacher, but I am a deliverance preacher. I am a revival preacher. I believe that he'll revive. I believe he'll heal. I believe he can make you whole. I believe in holiness. I believe in legitimate worship and praise unto him. You did not... Oh, man. 
said, wow, this is loud. In eternity, what kind of noise do you want to hear? If you think hell's going to be quiet, you're stupid. Hell's going to be noisy. People weeping, wailing, biting, gnashing of teeth. But the other option is, thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and power and honor and praise forever and ever and ever. I'll take my chances with the new Jerusalem. That's the kind of noise I want in my life. You want to go to a dead church? Go somewhere else. This, why seek ye the living among the dead? This ought to be lively stones. This ought to be a lively church. There ought to be resurrection power available in this place today. Come with me around the altar. I won't embarrass you. I'll do my best to be on my best behavior. But for goodness sakes, ladies and gentlemen, how much Bible are you going to need? to understand that you can trust that Bible. That Bible is real, it's accurate, it's legitimate. It's for you. It's for you today, amen. Let's do something it says in the Bible. Clap your hands, all you people, and shout. Don't just clap. Clap and use your mouth at the same time you're clapping. Clap and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. <laughs> Woo! What a great day to be in church. What a great, I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to the house of the Lord. I've always enjoyed, I've always enjoyed going to places in the Bible that nobody else reads. And the one place that nobody reads are the genealogies. Nobody reads them. When they read Matthew 1, it starts with verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was on this wise. That's not what it says. It says, the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, son of Abraham, and it goes through all that deal. 17 verses of this one had this one and this one had that one. When you get in the book of Genesis, start at chapter 37, and it talks about Joseph. 39 through 50, Joseph, okay? So you're talking about 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 chapters that talk about Joseph. It's a big deal. Look at stars. He made the stars also. Five words for stars. 14 chapters for Job. You might want to study that. Okay? Genesis 37, Joseph. Genesis 39 through 50, Joseph. There's only one chapter that's out of sync. Chapter 38. Chapter 38 doesn't talk about Joseph at all. It talks about his brother, Judah. And Judah an affair with his daughter-in-law who's a widow because his boy said God killed him. Judah has an affair with his daughter-in-law Tamar and they have a boy illegitimate child so now you study the 23rd chapter of Deuteronomy it's a crude word I'll, I'll use this word illegitimate no illegitimate can come into the temple for 10 generations I wish I had my Bible. I'd go to Matthew chapter 1. And I'd start at Judah. And I'd start counting 10 generations. And all of a sudden you'll come to Jesse. Who begat David. It's all there. It's 10 generations. Between Judah and David. Maybe that explains Psalms 122. When David said. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go into the house of the Lord. 
I'm so I don't I'm not I'm not discounting your past I'm not saying it wasn't bad I'm just saying I don't care what you've done it's not going to keep you out of the presence of God and it sure didn't keep you out of church we're here today so let's exploit this moment the Bible said when the wise men came to where Jesus was they worshiped him and then they went home a different way this service started at 11:30. I don't know what time it is now, but I'm, 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 don't go home the same way you came in here. You may have come frightened. You may have anxiety, lots of problems. You need to go home different. That's what this service, that's what we're at to. We have sung, we've had the word. Now it's trying to have a demonstration. Let's see if what's in that word works. Let's see if that Jesus I've been preaching to you about is here today to heal you, to make you whole, and to bring a deliverance in your life. These people are going to sing. I invite you to sing with them. Don't just let these people, let the whole church be the choir, okay? Every, sing and make joyful noise under the Lord, all right? Raise your hands. Begin to magnify God. You will sense his presence. He is here today to do something amazing. Hallelujah. Don't let it stay a mystery. Hallelujah. Jesus name. I need to rescue sin. I need to rescue my sin. Hallelujah. I need a friend. Sin was heavy. Change. 